Welcome to the Wadsworth Public Library podcast. This episode is the fourth in a six-part series covering the history, stories, landmarks, and traditions of Wadsworth, Ohio. This live recorded presentation is of local historian Roger Havens as he walks us through the book Wadsworth Heritage by Eleanor Shapiro. If this is your first time listening, be sure to check out the previous episodes in this series as the class moves chronologically through history and builds off the previous subjects. Going back to where I left off in the book, if you're following along in the book, and that's what people are doing at home when they listen to this, they have the book in front of them and they're swiping through the pages as I'm going through, just like you're doing live. And I'm gonna go back to page, do we talk about E.J. Young? He was the one who started the Ohio companies. Just reviewing him quickly. So he was kind of the brain child behind the uh, Ohio companies. And he started with the Garfield Injector Company that used to be down by the railroad tracks, across the railroad tracks on the uh, south side. And then it morphed into his own Ohio Injector Company after that one uh, dissolved. And he had a mechanical mind. He did grow up on a farm in Loyal Oak, so he wasn't Wadsworth bred. But uh, And his partner was Nathan Everhard, who was a doctor, but also his business partner. And Nathan Everhard was like president of these companies, and he was kind of the economic expert there as such. So he's the one that minded the books and also uh, told him how to invest it and kind of kept him. Uh, E.J. Young on track and both being of German background so they kind of and a lot of the other employees were kind of German types from the old country and I suppose through connections through the church and things like that it pretty much follows that so then moving on to the I'm going to go to the brickyard there on page 152 because that's been in the news it's been on the radio today that um, the city of Wadsworth has just purchased the brickyard and it's 200 acres. So it's gonna be quite a, quite a place with at least four baseball diamonds there and plus other amenities and fishing because there's a couple of ponds there and hiking trails and all that good stuff. And uh, somebody said, well, how can Wadsworth afford that? I believe they got a big chunk of money from uh, Mr. Fixler, who passed away. He donated a lot of his money. I know the Lutheran Church got a million dollars so they could fix up the rest of the church, which now it's absolutely beautiful inside. If you ever get an opportunity to step in there, especially in the sanctuary, it is, it's something that you'd think you'd see over in Europe. Uh, they painted it nicely inside and of course, it's based on the Reims Cathedral um, over in France, as far as uh, a lot of similarities to Reims Cathedral. And E.J. Young was instrumental in donating money to build that church, and also because they were short on uh, workers during that time because of World War I, he sent a lot of his, that, his workers from the factories up here to work on it, the ones he knew that were good builders and that sort of thing. So he helped dearly with that. The, uh, just a couple of trivia things for the Wadsworth Brick and Tile Company. They also, well, the tile, 
are kind of like those hollow brick that you see in a lot of the buildings around here. Um, it was, um, you know, used less, I don't know if it used less clay, but they were bigger blocks using uh, clay in a more efficient way, you know, with the, um, the webbing of it. But anyway, if you laid those side by side, I think they had like six holes in them. So if you lined them up, you had yourself a tunnel through there that you could run cable. And so it made it kind of efficient. But uh, the cable that goes into Fort Knox, the uh, tile was made in Wadsworth, Ohio. So, and a lot of the old schools like Old Lincoln, Old Franklin, Central School, they were made of the Wadsworth brick. And, uh, and also some of the rubber companies over in Akron were made of Wadsworth brick as well as some of the universities. So it was a big thing and uh, it was a big business here in Wadsworth. Unfortunately, a lot of the brick companies went kaput here in Ohio. So I think we used to have 200 brick producing companies in Ohio. It's down to, I think, less than a dozen. So the only, the closest one that's still in business is over in Canton. And that one, I think, made the Metropolitan Brick, which is, was used as the, the brick, the bricking here on our roads, because Wadsworth Brick Company did not make pavers, you know, the solid brick. They did not make those. So those came from Canton. Uh, so anyway, yes, on page 153, it talked about them adding the tile brick. And then it does, I think, reference the, um, well, maybe not in that part, but again, using them. Oh, it does say Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company buildings were constructed with Wadsworth brick. Then the Wadsworth Lumber Company in the south end. Uh, lumber was a big deal in Wadsworth uh, all through its history, at least initially, because the railroad tracks went through Wadsworth and the trains needed the wood for their wood-fired engines when they had steam engines. So it was a big business out around Silver Creek, uh, Silver Creek Road, that crossing was a popular place for people to stop and, or not people, but uh, the train companies to stop by and pick up their, their wood. Now, of course, they had the water tower down at the station to fill up with water, too. J.C. Whitlam. So that's, uh, again, on page 154, the oldest continuous build, uh, business in Wadsworth. They are still a uh, very successful business. So they started in 1912, and again, they're still active down at the south end, just across the railroad tracks. And at one point, and I don't know if they still do it, but they produce the, the paints that they use on the uh, football fields, like uh, up at uh, Cleveland Stadium. So they would produce that paint. I don't think they physically mix paint there anymore. I mean, as kids or maybe some of you purchased uh, paint there uh, back in the 60s when they were producing it. But I think they're, uh, like a lot of places, you know, the company thrives because they've learned how to uh, use their employees and product wisely. They probably still make the Tight Unite, which is the uh, pipe goop. Uh, I think they still make that there and can it there.
but I don't believe they make the paint anymore. The Wadsworth Foundry Company, it's long gone. It was down there on Auble Street. If you do your recycling and you drive down there to dump your stuff in the bins to the right of it, you'll see this fenced-in area. That's where the foundry was. And now somebody... There was a guy who purchased it, uh, purchased that property. And initially he was having some issues because he bought the property and the city had kind of encroached on the property and was using it. So one day he went down to his own property and there was a padlock on it from the city. They didn't want this guy. I don't think they realized that he had purchased it. So um, I think it's straightened out now. I'm not sure what he's going to do. It's almost like he's going to put like a warehouse or something in there. But that was the same guy who bought that old barn down next to the railroad tracks on Walnut. Yeah, going back to Whitlam's and there was that old barn there that was all grown over. You, all you could see was the front of it. And um, I always wondered who owned that and why they just let it grow up like that. No, if you if you cross the railroad tracks and turn right, right away, okay. it's there on the left. And you may not have noticed it unless you were looking for it because, again, it was all grown over. Well, that guy evidently bought it and he cleaned everything out. Now it looks like a brand new building. He resided it with uh, steel siding. So evidently that was maybe a storage area for the old Wadsworth Lumber Company that used to be along the railroad tracks. But he has made it look great. So that was the foundry. Yeah, then we talked about the XL Tire Company. That's what the old Barefoot Soul turned into eventually. So I remember talking about that the last uh, meeting, which then I can go back here to the PowerPoint since I now remember where I left off. Here was the, um, the Whitlam that brought this business to Wadsworth in 1912. It was originally started, I believe, up in Cleveland. So that's what it started out as. And then going to that Wadsworth, Wadsworth Rubber Company. So this was the... XL Tire, or yeah, XL Tire Company that Ross Trump Sr. started. And again, they started out making tires. And then he was married to an Aldifer, and the Aldifers were from Sharon Center. They're the ones that donated the property for the park up there, the Medina Park. And um, so his father-in-law, he he manufactured crates in a farm out there uh, in Sharon Center. And then when they got into the tire business, they switched the crates. So they made a crate to hold a tire for shipping. So it was just a wooden structure. They slipped the tire in and nailed it fast so it wouldn't shake around and however they were transporting it. Then this is the Trump house or what you call the Schaefer house. So he built that with, um, I don't know whether it was inherited money or what. I mean, he did start this rubber company, but it only lasted a few years. And then he and his brother got in trouble for dipping into the till. Uh, employees were donating money to, like, um, to be donated to organizations, and they were keeping the money. So they got caught doing that, blah, blah, blah. 
And they kind of got a slap on a wrist about that, uh, for doing that. But then Ross did it a second time. And this was happening during the Depression time. So you're talking about the late 20s, early 30s. And so they were going to nail him this time. You know, one time, okay, we'll, get, we'll give you a break. But the second time, well, before it uh, got to court, he committed suicide in the basement of that house. Where is that house? just up the street on High Street. The one that has the same Across from Crystal Clinic with yeah. the rod yeah. iron? Across yeah. from the... They're just sold. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, if you go down Baldwin Street, the street right before you get to the house, turn left and go down at the bottom of the hill, there's a house on the right and a house on the left across from each other. And both those houses used to be on this property. So he had those houses moved off his property for him to build his mansion. That's a big piece of property. Yeah. Well, the two houses are big houses. <laughs> I think they're... That's way back. Yeah. It used to go all the way to West Street, by the way. Oh, did it really? Yeah. So it was a, it was a nice big chunk of land. And I had heard at one point that the city was considering buying it back when it was up for sale a long time ago to make it into a park because it had the pond, it had this nice house on it. It had all the acreage to it, and not sure what happened there, but so it's Marlowe. Pardon? Now it's Marlowe Avenue. Oh yeah, yeah, and they drained the the pond, and yeah. so. The little street at the end of North Street is called Lake Street. Yeah. There's no houses on it, but it was part of my paper route also. Yeah, and the lake is gone. So um, today, this building still stands. It's hard to see. But it's at the end of First Street. It's where the old Barefoot Soul used to be. And, um, you know, and there's still that, I don't know what they manufacture or maybe they recycle, whatever they do down there. Uh, unfortunately, now if you walk to the train track, you'd be able to see it because the train track's right behind it. And this is an aerial shot down here in the lower right-hand <laughs> corner. So this is Chestnut Street. If you see the arrow up there and this would be South Boulevard first street runs into it so the fancy office up up by the street uh, I, I don't know when they built that probably in the 70s maybe 60s or 70s but here and you can see the tower is still there right there and it's still standing as well as that building and here's a railroad track behind it so Barefoot Soul was probably the biggest um, factory that was on that property, and they made souls. Uh, they also did inserts for Dr. Scholl, and so they did a lot of contracts for the Army, the military, and they're still in business, I guess. So the man that lived in that was Trump? Ross Trump was the original. And he's buried right in front of the mausoleum with the big uh, monument. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. And his son just recently died the last couple of years. And he was Ross Trump Jr. And he was like 102 when he died. And he donated his property off of Route 18 as you're going into Medina. Uh, I don't know whether it's 100, 200 acres or whatever donated it to the Medina Parks. So this family of 
trumps and aldifers, when they die off, they just gave their money away because they really had no, Ross never got married, so there were no children. And we did get a few things in the historical society from him. And let's see here, let me go back to the book. So XL Tire uh, in 1919, that's page 155. Then it tells, after, it, um, after the, the Akron Tire Company started growing at a lot bigger pace than XL Tires, uh, they sold the place, and then you can see on the next uh, page 156, 157, it talks about all the different rubber type products that were produced there. And then it talks about H.J. Hall Trucking Company. That tru tru um, trucking company used to be right across the street behind Marathon Gas Station. Before it was there, it was the Opera House. And that got torn down. Then he uh, jumped into the trucking business early on when... Uh, I think, what, in the 40s, I, 1930s. So in the 1930s, and eventually, part of that building became the, um, the racquetball court. Mm -hmm. So it was still part of that old building. So part of that old building's still over there somewhere in that um, blue tip barbecue that's no longer open. But that's where it was, you know, and it kind of went through uh, some morphing along the way into different businesses, but H.J. Hall ended up becoming uh, the mayor of Wadsworth at one point. But it was a very successful um, tru trucking company until the big semi-trucks became the mode, And uh, but by then he was older. His son took over uh, the business, and that was finally sold. All right, page uh, 160. It talks about the sheep shed. So again, the sheep sheds, and don't try to say that a hundred times too fast, but the sheep shed building was over there where, where the Time Warner <coughs> building was built eventually. So before uh, that building was built in, uh, what, 1907, uh, the sheep shed, and it was nothing more than a wooden structure, kind of looked like a low-lying shed I'm not so sure they actually put animals in it, but eventually, if they did, then they cleaned it up and then they put some stores in it or some businesses in it. So it was like Wadsworth's first shopping mall. It had four businesses in it. One of them was a barber shop, one was a bar. I don't know what the others were, but just small businesses. So you could walk in, walk down the hallway and turn right or left and go into the business of your choice. And uh, so that's what it talks about there on page 160. And then the Myers block, that's what that whole big building is over there. The Time Warner used to be there. Dave Cordes used to be there. Bixler's used to be there. That whole um, building on that side. And that was built, uh, all those block were handmade out in front of the business out in High Street. So they set up a shanty and somehow some way made all those brick and installed them as they made them which i don't quite understand whether they had any type of way of baking those things i don't know no they they built their own 
Yeah, and I don't know if they were tied into this this company that made brick, but you know it was originally built um, for a department store on that far left or south side, and then Hilliard and Curry Furniture Place was in kind of the far the north the north half, and they produce furniture and also coffins. Obviously, Hilliard Funeral Home morphed from there. But, you know, your cabinet makers were also your undertakers. <laughs> okay, and then uh, the Masonic Temple, which is no longer in downtown Wadsworth. But I'll pop a memory up on the screen. So the left-hand side would have been yeah, a few years after it was built, and it was for the Masons, um, hence the Masonic Temple. But during the Depression... They failed to pay their bills, just like a lot of others, so they went bankrupt. That was up for sale for the longest time. Well, they lost their money, and nobody had money to buy it. <laughs> so it ended up, uh, was donated to the city uh, in the 40s. So it was built in 1924, as I'm just glancing at this. It lasted for 10 years till they went into foreclosure. And then the unoccupied Masonic Temple became the City Recreation Center in 1944. So again, World War II. And that's where as kids we would go and play. It was the Steiner Youth Center of its day, which now we're back to a YMCA. That went to kindergarten there. Yeah, it, it, was, it was used for a lot of different things uh, when Overlook was being completed and they needed to start school. They used some of the rooms there. City, the city of Wadsworth used when they were rebuilding the city halls. So yeah, there were school was held there um, as well as the Lutheran church next door at the time and city services that, because the city owned it. And so there was just this cooperation that whoever needed the space during construction of their new stuff could move in for a while. So, um, yeah, sadly, it was taken down. I have pictures of it where they were setting the, um, the cornerstone, literally the cornerstone. Cornerstone was right here, if you can see the arrow up there. Wasn't like they put anything fancy in it. I mean, they, you know, when they hauled it down, the Masons took over. By the way, the Masonic Temple up there on High Street, that was part of the H.J. Hall property. And so he donated the land to build that. He lived right next door. Now there's what a dentist office, a brand new dentist office next to it. So that's where H.J. Hall owned his, well, had his farm and his farm extended all the way to Leatherman Road. Wow. So encompassed West Street and 76 and wow. whatever. So he and the Parmley families were literally married into one another so and then a lot of the halls and the parmelies lived at the top of uh, west good avenue before you go down the hill to valley view school used to sled ride that hill and we called it parmelies hill so oh wait a minute you're older than me <laughs> but you were probably there when the pond was still there huh yeah yeah well that was before my time sorry but, um, My son Jack lived there where we could yeah. go down the hill. 
and Bob and me and others, we graduated with Jerry, yeah. his son, yep. who is now a is it Greek Greek Orthodox pastor cool. over in Akron. So, yeah, I guess we all turn into something when we get older. <laughs> Everybody takes different paths. It's interesting. Okay, so then on 161, I'm not going to get into all these ins and outs. This one I had to study a lot because when we applied for the historic district, they wanted to know when these different buildings downtown were built. Mm -hmm. And so page 161 was a good one to go by because it, it uh, names the building, you know, like the Albrecht building, which is the Valley Cafe down here, O'Neill's building. So the Albrechts, of course, they own the Acme stores, so they built that as an Acme grocery store. And uh, so, so anyway, it tells us in there that in 1917 they took down the old Boffman house. It was a wooden structure that was used as a little hotel type thing for people coming through town. So it was hauled down and then uh, the Albrecht block, they call it, now known as the Brenneman's building. That's the problem with this red book. I mean, if you grew up in Wadsworth, you know exactly where you're talking about, but if you're a stranger to Wadsworth and it says it was the old Brenneman's building, you're gonna say, what's that? So that's why, that's another one of the reasons I wanted to do this and go through a little at a time to try to clarify the locations of these. So when we put together that coffee table book of Wadsworth, I made sure that the labels all were directional and it didn't rely on, oh, this was next to Domino's Pizza or this was next to that. And that's what this book does. And, you know, 50 years from now, nobody's going to know where those places are. So this talks about the Albrecht building, even the gas station across the street, the Anschutz building, which is the substation, and the Wells building, that's where um, well, the post office used to be there at one time. Now it's over there just south of Alexandries. You have that gap there. You had the old UMI building on the corner of Mills and um, Main. Then you, there were two houses that were next to each other, which they took down and nobody put anything there. So it's a big gap between the brick buildings. Then you get to the Wells building. So that that's that one there. Polito has a business there, Mr. Polito. Then it says New Street. So here's one for the, um, the trivia contest that I'm sure you have at home all the time. It talked about a new street, and this new street was going to go off of College Street and head south to Mill Street. And that was the property of Aaron Pardee, who was the first mayor of Wadsworth. And his property extended from College Street almost all the way down to the railroad tracks. It kind of came up a little bit short, but it does encompass where the match company covered some of the land. But you know, there's a hundred acres down through there and that's <laughs> when there were no buildings there. So it was all farmland. And it seemed like I read and says that, and I read these articles and they said, that, you know, he had the biggest house in town. It was a mansion, blah, blah, blah. Um, that compared to the houses that are built today, <laughs> it would be small in um, comparison. Anyway, uh, after he passed away, I don't know what ever happened to the house. 
as far as family members where they sold it off and and what they did with it but eventually they took the original house and divided it into three houses so they chunked it and uh, removed sections of it and they were all ended up along Watrusa Avenue there's only one piece there that's left the rest of its garages but anyway when they put that street in they had a um, contest on who could name that street and they came up with that unusual name of Watrusa well the reason they came up with Watrusa is down where the the bank was down here at the corner uh, before you get to Watrusa if you go in this direction they were replacing that bank on the corner there used to be an old bank there and they tore it down that's why that brick structure looks newer than the rest around it and that happened in the 1920s so the original bank was called the um, Wadsworth Trust and Savings Bank and that's what they called the bank after they newly built it they just needed more room and the old bank was just two stories so they made it three stories and added you know more space to it because they kept growing and growing and they outgrew what they could do <laughs> ironically after they built it then they were closed within i think two years because of the depression and that uh, of course people were panicking they withdrew their money and then the money was all gone just like other banks then the banker got accused of wrongdoing because he had loaned a lot of money out to family members and then they thought that he had given away all their money but that's what banks do <laughs> they loan the money out at a higher interest rate and make their money that way they give you a little bit of the interest rate in your savings account but on the other end they're loaning it out at a higher thing and back then they didn't have the laws and regulations to say there's a limit as to or a proportion on how you can divvy that up anyway they went into bankruptcy going back to the name of that street does anybody know how they named the street then just using that information about the bank yeah take the initials out of each of those wadsworth wa trust tru savings sa so that's how they came up with a name yeah that's for your trivia so that's at the bottom of page 161 where it talks about that and then it uh, talks about the banks in downtown wadsworth on page 162 first national bank has an interesting history to it it started out as a wood structure and i think it was down around the anschutz building which is there where the substation is downtown there on main street so that that goes way way back so they're then they moved oh into the three roses building if you remember at the pink building downtown that's 112 main street just uh, up from the citizens bank but then they had a fire in there and it spooked the people who had money in there because they're saying we're not going to keep our money into a wooden building like that that has the potential of burning down burning down <laughs> burning up all our money so they rebuilt the first national bank down the street where the bookshelf is and this time just to keep the investors minds at ease what did they build it out of yeah they had a granite base to it they had terracotta all 
things that couldn't burn, uh, marble floors, etc. And so they removed a build an existing building there and built it from the bottom up and put all non-burnable materials in it. And that was uh, a, quite a bank. I mean, I never remember it being functioning. Maybe you guys do, but. Um, but evidently you'd go in there and they had a staircase that went up to the second floor and had a balcony, a balcony up there. And the reason for that, do you know why they had a balcony up there? Weren't there offices up there? Or Probably. More importantly, guard. the guard. <laughs> they would position a guard up there with a gun and he could look down on what was going on. Again, another security addition. And then, if you go all the way to the top, they had a moon roof or a sunroof. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed natural light to come down yeah, through. Uh, an atrium, yeah. yeah. That's probably a better. Wow. And you yeah. can see it if you're up on the roof of another building and look over, you could see the atrium. But, of course, it's, everything's enclosed. They enclosed the staircases. They put apartments upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so you can't see, except for the vault, that you can... Mm -hmm. And I was just in the bookshelf today. And uh, yeah, you go into the vault and look for books. Or you can go in the basement here after this. <laughs> so then they moved again because they needed more space. And that's what Huntington Bank is today. That was the first national bank when it was built. And I believe that was, it would be here somewhere, I think. I think in, yeah, in the 50s. Yeah, I think it was the 50s, again, because I had to date these buildings. And that was built the same time as that little addition there next to Ann's Bakery was built. Because I kept trying to figure out when that, it's just that one, one floor building and mm -hmm. they either have a real estate in there or income tax place. Insurance office. Or insurance, yeah. So, yeah, that the was. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was fun. Larson. Oh, Elmer Larson. Elmer. Yeah. yeah, I think I read where he was the one who yeah, had that built. Right. Elmer Larson. So. Yeah. Okay, uh, William Artman there on page 163. Yeah, he lived in the house uh, just south of CIS, Central Intermediate School. There's only one house left there right now, and that's that uh, pottery place. So to the south of it was the Artman home, and it was this beautiful house that was built there. And all the houses across the street were, were kind of mansions on Main Street. Now it's the, uh, the towers or the low-income housing apartment complex. But that's where the rich and famous of Wadsworth lived in its day. Um, most of them were, were doctors that lived along that line. And also, once you got to the bottom and beyond the match company, those houses were owned by the rich and famous of Wadsworth. Now they're all apartment houses down there. And so they don't look as majestic because nobody's keeping them up. I mean, minimally, some of them are much better than others. But anyway, um, so the Artman house, that was a, a beautiful house and he was the well, he was part owner of the um, injector company and mm -hmm. that type of thing. But he wanted his house 
it was the farthest south southern house that could get water from the city at that time. Once you went down the hill, you didn't get water. <laughs> so, but Water Street is down there. Yeah, but Water Street's down there. Uh, then it talks about Hartzell. He's part of the Allen and Hartzell that had the insurance company. That at the time was one of the oldest uh, businesses in Wadsworth, continuous business. It technically started about 1875, and up until Toby Butt owned it, and when he sold it, I think that kind of ended that reign of that always being an insurance company in that particular structure. Uh, talks about the Citizens Bank. I kind of already reviewed that with you. Um, it's history, it's decline, and then when it reopened, then they renamed it uh, the Citizens Bank. And so it has the dates there if you're interested in that. So yeah, it opened in 1930, that bank did under the, um, under the old name, and it closed in 1931. So it was only open a year before they finally got it reorganized in 1933 and was able to reopen. And, oh, and that also, that bank had the, the one thing that distinguished it is that Nellie Harder, a female, served on their board of directors. First time a female held such a position in Wandsworth like that. And Nellie was the uh, owner and editor of the Wadsworth newspaper at one time. And she, by the way, her, she lived in the house that they took down to put the fire station up the street from here. So they took her house down and uh, built that fire station. I don't know what it's going to become after it's the new one that's built. But uh, So uh, on page 168, it talks about the newspapers and how these newspapers kind of, there was, it seemed like there was always two newspapers in Wadsworth. Eventually, they all came together, and then eventually they all disappeared. <laughs> so, but the first newspaper uh, started in 1866. It was called the Wadsworth Enterprise, and it morphed into some of these others to the Wadsworth News Banner as we knew it growing up. And Wadsworth News Banner office was the Napa building right across the street, the bright blue building until now it Hopefully, someday it's going to be an Italian restaurant, but we'll see if they can pull that off. That's the intention. Uh, it talks about Nellie Harder's history there on 169, page 169. goes on to 170. Again, I'm not here to read all this to you. I'm just here to tell you where you can find this information because of the poor job done on indexing this book. It's just hard to find things. And that's why mine's all written up because I get contacted all the time saying, you know, what was here, what was there, how old is this, how old is that? And I can find things a lot quicker now. Uh, on page 173, it talks about the old opera house that I relayed, uh, talked about earlier. And uh, I do have a picture of it. And that had to be close to when it was being torn down. So going this side of the Opera House, that would have been, or that is South Lyman Street. And so, yeah, it'd be right behind the uh, Marathon Station just there. And the guy that contributed a lot to Wadsworth, his name was Joe Bender. 
and his family still lives in Wadsworth. But he started out just as a little poor boy that would get menial jobs like um, swatting flies off a horse, not swatting, but keeping flies off of horses and things like that. He worked, I think, at the uh, companies down at the South End. He eventually opened up his own restaurant. Oh, he had a peanut wagon that he would park out here. So when the trolley came down the street here, and it would turn around there on College Street back up into the park there across from uh, Ann's Bakery. He'd be there to sell them peanuts or popcorn as they were getting off the inner urban train, the electric train coming into Wadsworth. And he just saved his money and then he opened up a restaurant. He lived right next to St. Mark's Church. This was his house. So St. Mark's Church here. Of course, all that's been taken out. His old building taken out. This would have been the uh, close to the Myers building. Uh, this brick building was called the Razor Building, and it's the one that had a um, car dealership in it and also the Wadsworth Furniture, and it had an elevator in there. So I guess they could pull cars in there and pull them up to the top floor for display. Yeah, I think when it was still in existence or right, uh, or the last business in there was Wadsworth Furniture. Anybody ever go to Wadsworth Furniture? It's, um, maybe they called it Springer Furniture too. Well, anyway, they tore all that down to put that Firestone and Kleckner's in that gap. Well, it wasn't a gap back then. <laughs> and notice there was a street that uh, went from College Street, and again, here's St. Mark's Church. It was an alleyway, so it went to King Street over by Grace Lutheran Church. Yeah, and of course, they used that property as part of that, that building plan. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and next to that house was the um, tree surgery place, a guy that Moore's, M-O-O-R-E. Mr. Moore had a tree surgery there, so... And that is Joe Bender. He ended up, I read an article about him. They said at one point he owned more land, or maybe more pieces of property, let's put it that way, more pieces of property in Medina County than any other individual. So he owned more pieces of property. I'm not going to say he owned more property because, you know, a 200-acre farm would wipe him out. But he bought houses and things or open uh, plots of land. So a lot of where Sacred Heart is built up now along, along Humboldt Street, he owned a lot of that property and he donated a lot to the Catholic Church, a lot of that property. But I think he owned a lot of the, the lots going up Humboldt all the way up to Durling Park. In fact, he's the one that I read, which, again, you don't get that out of this book, but he donated the land. If you go down East Street, you go all the way to Water Street, and then there's a stub of a street, doesn't go anywhere, but it's just a dead end. He donated that piece of property where the stub is to the city of Wadsworth for the purpose of them building a bridge over the railroad track, so you wouldn't have to wait on trains. But it never happened. <laughs> so now I'm wondering, who owns that piece of property? 
And they just recently, well, a couple of those houses burned down down there, but now they've uh, rebuilt a house down there at the end of East Street. But that stub's still there, and I keep thinking, well, I'm waiting for that bridge still. <laughs> and you know, they did that in Oroville. They built a bridge over their, their railroad track. Esky trains. Yeah. yeah, and here, you know, our train only goes to Ritman and, and then it stops, and, and I think it does four or five trips a week. And it just goes from Morton Salt and takes a load to Barberton and goes back and gets more. But uh, anyway, so the Opera House, um, he was a good actor. I think that's why he invested in it. It was one of the first theaters in Wandsworth. Started out all live acts. All wooden building, though, had to be scary because they were gas lights and things in there because that's all they had. But it never burnt down. It eventually got torn down. Then it turned into a motion picture place, you know, when projectors came into use. And then, of course, then the Strand Theater opened. The other theater was down at the corner of Watrusa and College Street. Does anybody remember that theater? The Star Theater. And what kind of movies did they show? They were like strictly cowboy movies. And that ended up being Naps then, um, Naps Firestone in that building before they built the one across the street from it. Yeah, so. That's where the service bays were down as the, as the theater tapered down and then the doors for the service area were in that lowest part. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and, uh, well, it's the funny. Store, I, the store mm -hmm. itself faced the street. When it became a music store, I went in there and I thought, I, trying to picture you know, this being a movie place, just like when you go to the Strand. I mean, everything's flattened out in there. So I went in there, and I looked to the back wall, and I thought, I can only see half of the back door. They had steps to go down, and I thought, okay, well, they, they had it pitched down there. So at one time, you just kind of walk down the, the pitch and walk through the door. But now it's half covered because of them leveling out the floor. So, lot on Joe Bender here. I'm not going to go going to go through that 174, 175. And he only got a court. Bender's court. Yeah. And it's gone. Oh. Well, yeah, wouldn't it be? To think of where it was. It was next to the St. Mark's Church. Okay. That was that that alleyway that went back through there. That was Bender's court. So, <laughs> uh, then it gets into professional men and again, this book seemed to highlight a lot of the dentists, the lawyers, and the doctors. I don't know if they just wanted to make make a bigger book by expanding it. They do talk about uh, Dr. Johnson. This is a picture of him. And of course, this is the historic house. If you look at the house, he moved into this house, I think around 1906, early 1900s. And you can see the additions weren't put on. So now there's an extension out this way on the south side. There's a, an extension in the back, but the original house was just pretty much a rectangular box. It was built, I just tell people, circa 1840. That seems to be when lumber, or when they started having mills here that they could make real houses rather than the log cabins. And so, um, like the oldest building in downtown Wadsworth is that Kelly Graham across the street next to the Strand. That's an old wooden structure built in 1838. 
and then of course the St. Mark's Church, 1842. So that's when they started using slab lumber because they had mills in the south end on the creek. So it looks like this was uh, built in 18, right around 1840, and it was built by the Beach family. And again, the the Beaches, it was their daughter, Sylvia, who went missing in the woods and was never found back in 1824. Did they use primarily uh, oak for this uh, wine, sir? Um, interesting enough, the, the floor joists uh, that you can see in the basement, it looks like it's poplar. It was probably pretty much whatever was there. I don't know what the floor is. Is it like a chestnut or... You know, it's a, a reddish type thing. And some of those planks are this wide. Wow. There's probably a lot of chestnut here, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, you know, I read stories about, especially Holmes, well, every place, but uh, Holmesbrook Park talked about all the nut trees down there. And also, people who wrote memoirs talked about all the nut trees, you know, on their, in and around their house. But the nut trees down in uh, Holmesbrook, because it was farmed a little bit down there, but it, most of it was wooded because it's all, it's <laughs> be difficult to till. It attracted the birds significantly through that valley. And the, the one that wasn't real welcome was the, um, the pigeons. And the pigeons, I mean, there were millions, not hundreds, but millions of them. I think that's what they were, but they were a nuisance to the farmers because they devastated their fields. So their corn would, or their grain would get ripe, and one day they could come in and just kind of wipe the whole thing out. So these pigeons, <laughs> during the night, would roost over in the Copley swamps. And then first thing in the morning, they would come to Wadsworth to feed off our nut trees, especially in the Holmesbrook Valley. And the one guy timed it one day, and for 20 minutes, these passenger pigeons flew over his house and literally darkened the sky, and it was unbelievable. So the, the farmers did a concerted effort to go out there, and they had these cannon-type things hooked up to netting. And so they would, they would capture one bird and kind of tie its legs or something to make it flap on the ground, which is a signal to the other birds that, oh, he's down there eating. And they would all swoop down and then they would shoot these nets over top and then gather them up and pretty much just pulverize them. Um, some of them would eat them. Yeah, they were, they were bigger than our regular pigeons today. Yeah, yeah, they're more plump and uh, bigger than a morning dove. So, yeah, and some of them would go out there and intentionally shoot them for the yeah. food, but uh, when they had to mass capture them and get rid of them. Anyway, so I get way off course here, but uh, again, that's Dr. Johnson, and then that's his daughter, Myra. She was the last one to live in the Johnson house and use it as a doctor's office. I think about anybody who know, knew her remembers her. <laughs> so you wonder if dad was kind of the same way or whether mom was, but I think she was pretty snippy.
So he became mayor of Wadsworth. He's the one that um, kind of uh, got a lot of projects accomplished in Wadsworth. The main one was the bricking of the downtown road. So that was 1908. 1906 was the year that they brought the interurban electric car to Wadsworth. So he nailed the last spike into the rail and opened that up, and that lasted until the 1930s. And, of course, um, he started out as a doctor and pretty much did everything from horseback. And uh, so he would get a call or somebody would say he was needed out on the farm. And uh, so he would jump on the horse, horse or take his buggy, take his black bag and go out and do it on site. Eventually, they put those additions on the house because they started using the house as an office. So they were using some of the living quarters in the front. If you've ever gone in the museum, you go in and to the left. So back before it became an actual doctor's office, that was all living quarters and uh, probably their old kitchen and that sort of thing. Because you look at the house now and the kitchen was an addition in the back. And then they have the sun room on the side. And sometimes I kind of wonder, well, wonder what the layout was before they put these additions on. Obviously, they converted some of those rooms to his doctor's office and like the kitchen and moved it back. So, again, he's talked about on page 176 or 178, 179. Uh, Dr. Biggs, he's the one I believe lived over here next to the library parking, and you have that big red brick house next to it. So, I think that's where Dr. Briggs lived. Uh, Dr. James Durling on page 180. By the way, the Durlings kind of married into the Whitlams, so there's connections there. So uh, Dr. James Durling, at one point, he lived in that house that's a ceramic place there on Main Street. And then there's the dentist, uh, Homer Baldwin. Um, not the Homer Baldwin that we probably knew, but uh, his ancestry and talks about uh, Dr. Paul Goss. So his father was one of the first preachers at uh, the Trinity Church when it was the German Reformed Church. Attorneys, I never heard of John Owen. Next page gets into the um, transportation, which is, so there's the trolley car. This is the Myers building. This is the old Lutheran church before the one that's sitting there was there. I can't tell whether this is bricked or not. If it's bricked, it means it's 1908. If it's not bricked, it's before 1908. That's how I always date these things. Uh, Valley Cafe is across the street there. They had the old horse trough in the middle, so it looks like there's cars there. Anyway, trying to put the picture in perspective. So this is what we consider North Park. There's not much left of it. It's just a strip of land separating the high street. So when the trolley would come in, it would pull in straight into the park and then load, unload. Then when they left, they backed up through a switch and then they went up College Street a little bit and then through the switch and went straight. 
and then they went up Broad Street. They crossed over up there where the old post office is, went behind the Methodist Church, which wouldn't have been there, but the bridge that goes across there. And then when you cross that bridge onto East Street, you have the little Marion's Closet there, the old East Street Market on the right. Then there's a big brick building on the left. When I was a kid, you could go do stock cars, uh, slot, cars. slot cars, yeah, and do that. Well, I finally figured out that was the, the, the train barn. That's where they would pull it in there if they had mechanical things that needed to be done because it has a large overhead door, and, and the track went right next to that building, uh, right along South Boulevard there. And then once you got on there, you went, and unfortunately, you know, the trail, the walking trail, kind of follows that route, but you get up to uh, Ohio Avenue, and then you have to turn right and go through Miller Park. Well, that wasn't part of the inner urban. It would have gone straight, but somehow, someway over the years that Wadsworth Foundry purchased that land and built their foundry on there. Uh, similar to in the South End, there used to be a street that went from State Street and cut right behind the Ohio Match Company, right at the bottom of the hill, right where you enter the gate to go into the Match Company. There was a road that went straight and it would go over to where Grandview comes into that, yeah, that, that whole intersection there. And somehow the match took up that street and uh, claimed it as theirs, I guess, and uh, became part of the match property. So, yes, sir? In that picture, are the streets paved in that? Well, that's why I was saying I was trying to look, and I know they, pay, they had to pave around those tracks because I do have a picture of them paving after the tracks were there. And the paving was in 1908 from downtown Wadsworth down to the uh, train station. That was the first phase. But then it went pretty rapidly. I mean, then they shot it down College Street. They shot it up Broad Street, up High Street. Uh, but that was the very beginning of the downtown. And this, by the way, I threw this picture on here. It's an old postcard. And I was in a hurry doing this. I actually have one. This is the Wadsworth train track. Now this is over in Sherman. Um, you go on Johnson Road and you pass Sherman Meats, Meats headed to Barberton. There's a road on the left called Rock Cut. And if you drive down Rock Cut, it's a dead end. It ends up at the railroad tracks. And you look around, you will see where this bridge used to be. So it's where the electric car went over top of our train. And there was a picture, I don't know how long the guy sat there until he finally had a train coming on the tracks and a trolley gone over top. <laughs> he must have been camped out there for years for the, except for that trolley would run every 30 minutes and trains in Wadsworth would run, I think, every hour. So I guess his odds were pretty good they'd eventually meet up. Anyway, it does show that electric train trotting across there. Um, so, yeah, attorneys, Owen, page 181, uh, transportation, yeah, I guess that's what I was talking about, the trolley, telling you about rock cut. Oh, and Joe Bender was a ticket taker at one time for that trolley. And I think historically, 
He rode the first trolley into Barberton. And from Barberton, you could stay on it um, and go to Kenmore. And at Kenmore, I don't know if you remember, I remember as a kid, the old Miracle Mart over in Kenmore <laughs> off the leg. That's where the train station was, where you could we transfer. Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was like the dollar store of our day. And, uh, it was like Clarkins. Yeah. I always wanted to go there. Say, Can't we go to that Miracle Mart? I want to see a miracle. No, stay in the car. We're not going to Miracle Mart. I think we ended up going there one time, and it was, I was disappointed. I didn't see any miracles. But it was like a junk store type thing. Okay, so, um, yeah, like I say, Joe Bender took tickets on the first one, and then the very last ride that they did, he got to do that. So then we get into the automobile on page 184. And that was Andy Abel. He bought, he went up to Cleveland and bought, he bought a car that came right off the line. And that was in 1901. And he drove the car home. And it was one that had the joystick on it, you know, not a steering wheel. A tiller. A tiller. Yeah, is that what they called it? Yeah. yeah. Like a boat. It was an Oldsmobile. And... He brought into town, and of course, people lined the streets looking at this thing, and people didn't believe that that was going to be something that was going to be popular, of course, and they were wrong, and he was right. But the first thing he did, he had a bicycle shop over here on College Street, where the tail end of the Myers building goes along College Street, so in that section. So he had a bicycle shop, and... He pulled it into his shop, and the first thing he did is he tore it all apart. <laughs> and then he put it back together. He just wanted to see how it worked. And, you know, he's one of those mechanical minds that, hmm. So then he got the idea that uh, I think he went back to Cleveland and said, you know what? It's a pain in people's rumps to have to come all the way up here and buy these cars. Can you give me some cars? Or I don't know what deal he made to get some of the cars or at least sell them out of his bike shop. But he ended up doing that. So it was like he started one of the first automobile agencies, maybe in the United States, I don't know. But with that, with his cars, he also put up a big gasoline tank, which means now, because I'm sure... It's just like people buying electric cars. Where do you recharge them? Back then, where do you get gasoline? So he was smart enough to know, hey, I'm just going to get a tank and put up, and that way I can sell these cars and they can come by and buy the gasoline. Then, of course, if they break down, guess what? I know how to fix them. So allegedly, and this has never been proven, that he was the first person to open up a full-service car agency. He sold cars. He gassed up the cars. He was a mechanic to fix them. And in Wadsworth, it wasn't like there was a big market for cars, but he sold a few. And I think I put a picture up. Yeah. Here he is in his bicycle shop. And here he is that he sold uh, to Mr. Weaver. He sold uh, this little uh, one lugger, so one piston. So it was a very basic car. By the way, this is the Huntsberger house. 
This is where you drive through there next to City Hall to pay your bills. And over here, if we could see it, but it's cut off, is the museum. So actually, he's driving High Street, still a dirt street, obviously, um, because they didn't pave them until uh, automobiles started in. So anyway, he kind of shut down his Wadsworth shop, and he opened up a shop over, I think, on Market Street over in Akron. And, of course, there was a big market there, especially with the rubber companies and all the rich people over there and close to Highland Square where the rich people lived. And his business boomed. And he actually did hold the first, uh, what would they call it, like a, an automobile... Um, yeah, yeah, some kind of convention-type thing where... Um, but he was then big in Akron. So the big guy ends up dying, and he's buried in Wadsworth Cemetery with a very simple tombstone. So he and his family, the Abel family, lived out on, well, you can call it a bunch of things, Diagonal Road, the three-way stop up here by the, on College Street going towards the hospital, mm -hmm. and turn right, that's, that was the beginning of Diagonal Road. Then they got cut off when 57 took it. So, so they lived on Diagonal Road, even that house up there at the actual stop sign, the one that has the flowers planted there along the, the, the three-way stop, that was part of the Auble family. And then headed out that road and all, all the way beyond Blake Road. So that was all Auble. So some of you uh, probably knew Tom Cox, who ran the Holmesbrook Hardware. He, his family was the Auble family. So another part of their story is the Alexander Turner lived in, and the house is still standing there. It's right before you get to Blake Road on the left-hand side, on the west side of the road. Um, there's an old farmhouse, I mean, well-kept. Unfortunately, they hauled the barn down a few years ago. I think somebody bought the house and made money off of selling the old barn, and so it's gone. But that's the only documented place we have in Wadsworth that was part of the Underground Railroad. Wow. And so he, again, was related into the Auble family. Uh, his name was Alex Turner. He's supposed to be buried down in the Woodlawn Cemetery, but we cannot find his tombstone. We found his wife's tombstone, and all we can figure is it must have gotten damaged or something. And, um, but she's there, Betsy. And ironically, um, so by night they were, or by day they were housing these, uh, you know, slaves headed towards uh, High, well, Hiram or the next station, wherever. And then, uh, you know, they would travel by night following the drinking gourd. If you were at last night's uh, program, you'd know about the drinking gourd, which is the Big Dipper and following the North Star. And the reason we don't know, and I'm sure there were other places that were underground railroads in Wadsworth because we we're kind of in the thick of things. Medina has a lot more documented, but nobody wanted to talk about it because you get in trouble for doing that. And so, you know, the, their own kids wouldn't know about it. They had to keep it so secret because a slip of the tongue could have the owners of the property put in jail and also fined. So. Their daughter married a guy, his name was, um, now last name is Hamilton, 
not Alexander Hamilton, but. So he was a preacher and he actually preached. He was like a circuit preacher. So he could have been in most any church in one of the old churches. I know he preached there at the Bethany Church, probably Mount Zwigli, you know, some of the old churches. So he was, uh, he was for slavery and he would preach it and a lot of churches would not bring up that slavery issue because it just divide the congregation. So back in those days, the Democrats, they were pro-slavery, believe it or not. I mean, everything got flipped over the years and the Republicans were anti-slavery. So just like anything else, it was a big political type thing. Wadsworth for the most part um, did not want slavery. So there was a lot of kids from Wadsworth signed up to go off to the Civil War. So this guy is preaching in these churches and he was gutsy enough to bring up the slavery issue and he would discuss about how he didn't think it was a bad thing, that maybe it was in God's will or whatever. And one of the people out in the congregation stood up and I think he pulled a gun on him and he said, sir, they pay me to shoot people like you you know, here he was a military man and he had his, he was packing his pistol and stood up and uh, aimed, I think he aimed it at the guy and he ducked down behind the pulpit and they, they escorted uh, the preacher out of there and uh, got that other guy calmed down and he wouldn't blow him away in church. But the irony, of course, is that, you know, his father-in-law, unbeknownst to him, is part of the Underground Railroad. And he lived just north of Blake Road. So they were like within a half mile of each other. So anyway, that's how things go. So yeah, it was one of the um, Auble slash, um, I don't know if anybody remembers Grace Kuntz. She was, gosh, about 100 years old when she passed away. Didn't they have a Kuntz farm was on that same? The hospital. Yeah, the hospital right. property. Right. So it was purchased from the Kuntz family, which again, she was part of the Auble family. And, the and that was on that diagonal road. Yes. Mm -hmm. was on the east side. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good connection. But she's the one that said that uh, she heard the story through her grandparents. And she wrote it down. And that's really the only documentation that we have. Yeah, the old Kuntz farm. Okay, so getting to the next pages, uh, talks about the Lyman, Lyman farm. Dr. Lyman, we talked about uh, Dr. Biggs living in that uh, brick house. Then next to it is that house with a rounded, beautiful porch in the front. But then it's the next house is where the Lymans lived, directly across from the old post office. It doesn't have that magnificent looking house in the front. It's a huge house, but that's where the Lymans lived that owned the Lyman property that pretty much went from Broad Street in some spots all the way up to Akron Road. So that was their farm. Went down uh, to about where Sacred Hearts Playground is and then back to Akron Road. So his dad would have settled that land and cleared it and blah, blah, blah. But eventually, of course, they put a street down it. And so that's the Lyman allotment. And then Highland Avenue, 
uh, at the time of building that, E.J. Young lived across the street in his, in his house, and I'll bring it up here. This was the E.J. Young mansion, which was right at the mouth of Highland, Highland Avenue, where the Methodist church is today. And so this was his huge house, and when they opened up Highland Avenue, all the executives of all the Ohio companies and any company in Wadsworth wanted to live on that street because it was close to the genius E.J. Young. So it became an exclusive neighborhood, and that's why those houses there today, they don't lose their value. They continue to always go up because of, if you've ever been into any of those houses, it's the woodworking in there is just great. They don't have any garages, but <laughs> in the back, they just had carriage houses, so they just have single uh, bay old barns that they park, they can park their cars in, but none of them. Highland Avenue, just down the street here to the left. Yeah. When's that mansion torn down? Oh, 1850s. Uh, and again, it kind of went the same way as the Barber Mansion and Barberton went. You know, the family members don't do anything with it. And then they, it just eventually starts falling apart. And whether or not the, you know, they don't care. Now, of course, his one son, uh, EJ's son, Don, Don Young, he built the mansion up there next to Old Overlook School. I didn't put the other, his other son built the old uh, English cottage or the Cotswold house down on East Street next to the Methodist Church. So they built their own elaborate houses, and I guess they just didn't really care about Dad's old house because it, well, and again, the Methodists bought it because the Methodist church was over here where CIS is today, and they bought it and built that. And the only remains of this house is found in the backyard attached to the back of the Methodist church, and that was their carriage house that was built of brick. So if you're Go behind Methodist Church, you'll see the, this older section of brick, and that would have been the carriage house. And probably people lived upstairs and down below is where the, they stabled the horses. Um, this is Mr. Beck. He, and going back to this property, he had a leather company or a tanning place, or his dad did, which would have been located just a little bit down the hill from where E.J. Young built his house. And so they had a, they made, or tanned leather, then they sold it in a business over here on Main Street at a store. And this one, there was, well, his dad was more active in that business and running the boot and leather shop and creating their own leather. Uh, he took over the business, but he also became mayor of Wadsworth and Beck became Beck Street, their property. So it was there next to the cemetery and ran pretty much all the way down the street. I don't know whether it reached um, Baldwin or something, but that was the Beck property. So again, when you see some of these street names, they're connected to the old farmstead and they just named it after them. So this was the Kane house and he was a banker in town and built his mansion there on Far, the dead end of Far Avenue. And it was the Masaryk House when I was a kid. Uh, now it's the Michael Day property. 
but the, the original builder, he was a, a banker. This, of course, is the Schaefer house. Um, oh, back maybe 20 years after it was built, just looking at these trees. Oh, and that's, uh, that's C.N. Lyman. He was the doctor. His dad was the one that came and settled here. His dad was George Lyman. He was a veteran of the War of 1812. And he actually was one of the first matchmakers in Wadsworth. Not the dating service. The actual wood stick matches. And his little barn that he did made those sticks out of, or made the stick matches, is where the KFC hall is right there at the corner of Maple and that, because again, that was their, their farm and he had a barn there. So yeah, he experimented with creating matches. Matches was a big deal back then. And supposedly one of the original formulas showed up in river sticks of a, a peddler going through town and he ended up selling his recipe to the Wilson brothers, which that used to be called Wilson's Corners, the Wilson family. Uh, uh, settled there. And that formula was used quite often. I think it ended up in the hands of George Lyman, and that's why he was producing them. But back then, matches were highly poisonous and highly volatile, and everything that could go wrong with matches did go wrong. And that was an issue when the Ohio match started, too, because people were getting poisoned and whether they worked in the factory. And so he hired um, a chemist. He actually hired him away from O.C. Barber, who had the match company in Akron, and then he moved to the Diamond Match Company. So he hired away their chemist, and his last name was Shapiro. And that's the author of this book. Not him, but his, um, I guess it would be his daughter-in-law. She was a teacher at the high school, uh, taught English, and and wrote this book. But anyway, um, they all, he, I believe it was Mr. Shapiro, lived in that house next to the old Holmesbrook hardware down there on College Street across from the cemetery, the house with the turret on it. So that was the Shapiro house. Oh, by the way, I can see my next slide is about the bricking of Wadsworth. So this is what 1908 looked like downtown Wadsworth. This was the south end, the railroad tracks here, and you can see there were a lot more buildings there on the uh, east side of Main Street down to the creek. And yeah, there's only like three of them left here. Okay, this is a picture of Ann's Bakery. So this is uh, High Street, and this would have been that park through the middle at the time. So they had brick stacked there to put on, do their bricking. This was the City Hall, not not the one before this one, but two before this one that we have today. All located in the same place or right neighboring each other. It went from one side of Maple Street to the other side of Maple Street, and then it sucked up Maple Street. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, Historical Society would be right about there, just to put it in perspective. And let's see, talked about the automobile, talked a little bit, oh, on 186 and 187, if you're interested on how different streets got their names, um, Durling Park, obviously, I talked about the Durling family and how they're connected 
the Trump House is talked about on 187. And one guy's name was Simcox Tolbert. <laughs> First and last name. Guess where his property was? Up off of High Street. And they named one of them Simcox and the other one Tolbert, the streets. So he got both his first and last name put in as a street name. Um, so it talks about that in that area. Um, the paving downtown, again, was page 188. 189 talks about the water companies. I mentioned the water companies the last time and how they piped the uh, water from the different ponds, the Trump slash Schaefer Pond. Uh, went downtown and then out there at the donors out on Akron Road. Uh, they piped that downhill into the city of Wadsworth, gravity fed, of course. Telephone companies. So that's on page 190. And the first telephone office um, was actually in a house, but that house was there where the old drive through of the Citizens Bank is, where close to where Sonnets is. So that's when, you know, before they bricked up and made actual stores, they, it was just people's houses. And so that's where the original was. Then at one point it got moved, well, it got moved to the upstairs of the Myers building at one time, but also the upstairs of Ann's Bakery. And a long time ago, you used to be able to see painted on at the top of the building on the side wall that faces Thurber's, it says Star telephone company. So they were on the top floor of that building at one point. Okay, um, so telephone companies, page 190, the gas company, they had their office out of, again, gosh, I think it was in that Ann's Bakery building. Now, Ann's Bakery, of course, didn't come in as Ann's Bakery until 1959. So the building was something before that, and so at one point, it was a place, a Mohican gas company. And then when I was a kid, the gas company was there at the corner of uh, South Party and College Street, where Gatliff is on that corner. I remember my mom going in and paying the gas bill. And she says, stay out here. She's going to pay for the gas bill. I didn't know what that meant. I just sat out in the car. Um, fire department. That one's an interesting one. Uh, page 191. So the fire department was always close to City Hall, either part of it or whatever. Here's an old picture of them with uh, one of the pumper tanks. And again, that would be about where Huntington Bank is today. At one time, uh, oh, and this was, this was a piece of property that Joe Bender owned, and he owned this garage here, and he allowed them to park the newest fire trucks in there because they didn't have the room in the well i think the the old city hall was torn down so this is broad street here in the front with the bricking and then this would have been uh, there was a brick building there along uh, broad street where the valley cafe parking lot is today mm -hmm. so it used to set back which means this kind of set back behind the city hall that faced High Street. So, and you can see there were still houses downtown that, you know, eventually got taken down and replaced by brick structures and more of a storefront thing. So, 
yeah, and now we're in the middle of history with a new fire station being built. And boy, they're really going at it here lately. And then I had a picture. I didn't put that on there, but they had to keep their fire firemen fit for the job. So one of the things is they held a competition, and it didn't say where it was. It could have been down the AC field, for all I know, or maybe it was out in somebody's pasture field. But they would have contests where they would have their the hoses, the fire hoses, on a big reel on wheels. And, of course, when they went to a fire, they would just grab it and run with it. So they would have fire hose unreeling competitions. So they would time them to see how fast they could unreel one of those long hoses. So, yeah, they talk about that on 192. Woodlawn Cemetery, you've heard enough about that, but uh, it does tell you about that mausoleum there, uh, built in 1913. 282 crypts inside of that. The copper, uh, the doors were of copper. Well, we found out it's just a copper skin on it, <laughs> sheeting, because they're badly rotting and uh, falling apart. And uh, so, yeah, it was more a lot, more or less a sheet over it. Um, so that's going to have to be dealt with. But again, that was built by Hilliard and Curry, who had the uh, furniture shop downtown. And it's amazing. So it says it was built and open in 1913. And you go in there, and there's a lot of crypts in there of people who died earlier than that. So they had to have been buried out in the grounds, and then relatives must have moved them in there with them. Um, yeah. Which, again, because I work down there at the cemetery, we find that all the time that people, you know, maybe the first person in the family dies and they're buried down there. Well, then, because it's their, their first, first one to die, and then when other family members start dying, you know, that one little plot where their first relative was buried what isn't big enough to put the rest of the family members, so they buy a larger plot, and then they have that other one moved and they move from cemetery to cemetery we've had some that move from the western star cemetery and after their family members got established in wadsworth they hauled them over and placed them in their their plots here and i'm sure it happened all over the place okay the wadsworth hospital i have a picture of it up here on the screen oh my God. and so how many people were born in that barn yeah, so a couple of us. Oh, well, yeah. But basically, oh, you work there. There you go. So um, anyway, that's where altar care is today. But altar care is uh, no part of the hospital. I mean, they completely removed the old hospital. I mean, they used to put additions on and that sort of thing, but now it's totally... There's nothing in altar care that was part of the old barn. So that was the barn that um, the Ohio companies used to, to house their drain horses, their horses that pulled the wagons to move the product. And right around World War I, um, well, during World War I, E.J. Young got nervous that uh, housing, a housing shortage was going to be a problem in Wadsworth because... All the men were off to war. Nobody was building houses. 
So he had his men convert the old horse barn because they no longer needed the, um, the horses. And each stable became a room. So it was like an apartment house or a dormitory. And so he had it all converted and all cleaned up. Well, there was no housing shortage. The war was relatively over with. And so now he had this, this possession that he didn't know what to do with. So he ended up donating it to the city of Wadsworth and really Ripman too, because two of the Ohio companies were Ripman, you know, for the care of people as a hospital. So he donated it. It was all ready to move in as far as the actual, you know, beds and individual rooms. Of course, they had to do the rest of the infrastructure. And um, so that was the first, well, I would say that's the second Wadsworth Hospital. The first one was Dr. Bullock owned a, a house over next to Sonnets. I forget what's in there right now. Um, used to be the Larry Luck in, or, uh, lawyer place. And that's one of the oldest buildings downtown because it's still a house. It has the, those crow steps in the front to cover up the peak of the house. Uh, it's gray. And if you're back in the back parking lot and you look at it, it's a house. They just have a brick facade in the front. So that original house was probably built uh, mid-1800s, you know, just like the, the Kelly Graham building over there doesn't look old at all, but it's all covered up, and that's the way that one is. But like I say, if you walk in the back, you'll see it's an old house. But he used to allow people to stay overnight. He had several rooms in there, so that was kind of the first hospital in Wadsworth. And then when this got donated and they could house more people overnight and people having babies and all that good stuff. So there on page 194, 195 talks about converting that building. Ah, and here it is on page 196. You're reliving it today. The Ella M. Everhard Public Library so it gives the history of that. So Ella M. Everhard was uh, Nathan Everhard, the doctor that helped out with the match company and kind of ran those things. His wife, she had nothing better to do than to attend all these women type things and start up all these clubs, which was a good thing for Wadsworth, because she ended up buying a house that's set right here that was owned by um, a dentist. And after he passed away, she bought his house and donated it. I'm gonna to say to the city of Wadsworth, but I'll just say the city uh, with the uh, intentions that it be converted into a library. Because before that time, they, they had collections of books. At one point they were housed uh, at City Hall, then they got moved to the top of the Albrick building or the O'Neill building down here. And she just kept looking for a place. And finally, the leader, L-E-I-T-E-R, house went up for sale. She purchased it and handed the keys over and says, please turn this into our library and put our collection in there. That tells the story of that. The reason I said... Uh, Hey, we're reliving history today on 197. That top thing says book week. <laughs> so we're at book week today. 
Um, so this was 1925 when, oh, I should bring the picture up. And there you go. And, and the golf station, the golf gas station. What's that? Yeah, Weldy. Yes, so that's an interesting story too. Uh, Mr. Walbach, who was the town photog photographer that probably took a lot of these old pictures of Wadsworth. He had a professional studio, and I think I mentioned this before. His house was there where the American Legion is today, there on Main Street. So he lived in that house and ran his studio out of there, and you know, people would come in and get portraits taken. If you go to antique shows, you'll see, uh, if you're looking at old photos, you'll see the Walbach name on them from Wadsworth. So he did the professional seating. So then uh, this John Clark bought his house to put a print shop there. And so they moved, they moved his house, or he moved the house. You know, he sold the property from underneath it, and then moved the house up here on the corner of Boyer and High Street. Um, where Durhammer had his uh, photography studio there for now it's an insurance company but um, anyway when he died he collected things he was a big collector Wadsworth stuff but then he was into Civil War and he was also into Native Americans and so he had a whole collection of things that were um, well for a Wadsworth Museum so when he died, he donated that collection to the, I don't know whether it was the city of Wadsworth or to the library, whichever. It ended up being, well, I think it was the city of Wadsworth. And then they made arrangements for the library to have a back, part of the back building, enclosed area, to house his collection. Then there was a fight between city hall and the library. The city, I think, because the library housed it, the city paid the electric for that room, for instance, as a trade-off. But then there was some big fight between the two, and his collection pretty much ended up over the Medina County Historical Society, where you can see it today. There's a few things there I wish that we had, but um, you know, if you've never been to the Medina County Historical Society, they have collections from all towns in Medina County. It's not just a Medina. So if you want to see things uh, from the Giants of Seville, they have like one of uh, Captain Bates' boots over there that's the size of a rowboat on display. But um, anyway, that was a sad time for Wadsworth, and I think a lot of it just got pitched to the curb and people snatched it up. But there were a lot of things he collected, um, Indian artifacts and they just weren't Wadsworth. So his friends would go out west and they'd bring back these things and give them to him. Uh, or Civil War things, they had nothing to do with Wadsworth. So there's a lot of stuff that, that we don't collect there at the, the museum if it's not associated with Wadsworth, then they don't do it. So the house was eventually torn down and then the, in 1957 they built the modern library and then that got hauled down and now we're in what we're in. But interesting, when you bring up the golf station there next door, before that golf station was there, there was a house there that uh, the Lymans lived in. You know, it was their property. And they moved that house and shifted it around the corner so it was facing North Lyman Street. And 
and I know this because it was on my paper route, and that was the old Parmalee house. So it used to set where that golf station was and facing on Broad Street, and they pushed it to the back of the property and pivoted it. So eventually, you know, it went to the wayside, but that was one of the oldest homes in town at the time. They were on my paper out, and I never really went into the house. So anyway, that's where history goes. Yeah, my paper out, I collected my papers under the Strand marquee. And uh, I got mine at Gertner's in Ohio. Oh, okay. And I went up North Lyman, plus I had businesses downtown. How far up North Lyman did you go? To North Street. Well, then I, from North Street to Akron Road was mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad we didn't infringe you got on. yours from Denny Brock. Uh, probably, but no. My brother had it before me. <laughs> okay. But the Brocks lived there on Maple Street. It. Yeah, she had a. How much uh, was the paper then? 55 cents. It was 70 cents a week, I think. Okay, mine was 55, 15 cents for the Sunday and 40 for the week. Yeah. Well, now no, kids don't know what a newspaper is today. That's okay. I don't okay, just uh, my goal is to get up to this uh, pictured thing, and I know I'm going into overtime for the millionth time. Um, it talks about mayors on page 200. I threw up some of their pictures. So the guy up in the upper left, that's uh, William Alt, and you've all seen his house. If you've gone to Bittinger's, it's that brick house across the street going into Memorial Park. So his father-in-law owned that originally, and his name was Boffman, which I think that street should be called the Boffman Street rather than the Alt, because this Alt from Marshville married uh, Boffman's daughter, and then they lived in that house. Down below him is another mayor, Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E. Uh, the guy that's uh, American Le Legion cap on, that was Fred Falk. And he was, got to watch that name. Fred Falk, who lived in the Schaefer house or the Miller house that just got torn down up by the high school, the cement house. So... His, his father fought in the Civil War, got wounded, came home. Within a year, he died, but he had impregnated his wife. And so this is Fred Jr. that grew up without a dad, never knew his dad, but lived in that, that uh, stucco house or um, anyway, part of that family. And that's Robert Johnson when he was a little bit younger, Dr. Johnson. That's Dr. Boyer, um, who became mayor. And then there's H.J. Hall, the one that owned the truck, trucking company. So it mentions their name along there, so I just threw their name up there. Um, there was Robert Stevenson. I didn't put his picture up, but he was the one that owned the carriage shop across from the museum where the car wash is today. Oh, the next thing up is the old Masonic Temple, and how that eventually was donated to the city of Wadsworth and became the rec recreation center. And here's a picture of people square dancing inside. Then, of course, uh, after World War II, they, um, they built the swimming pool. Uh, 
And there's somebody up on the high dive ready to... And all these bicycles, kids would ride their bikes to it. I think probably more arms and legs were broken just in the locker room. Oh my gosh, wasn't that so slippery? Oh yeah, and the foot bath, yeah. But it was that smooth cement they put down in the locker room. And you'd come down, you're all wet, and you step on that, and (laughs) away you'd go. And you know, we had gym classes there when we were at the junior high. So I think I had gym first period. And you'd go in, you would change into your swimming suit, jog all the way down to Memorial Park, go in, jump in the pool, which was freezing because, of course, it was the fall, and then paddle around there for about 15 minutes. They'd say, okay, time to go back. So then you'd go go back down, crack your head open on the um, smooth cement down below, and then expected to jog back to school and then get ready for your next class. That was crazy. As the gym teacher drove by us in his car, waving at us as we're jogging. Dreaming. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot to dream and reminisce, huh? So, um, you know what? There on page 208 kind of gives you the history of the old Brenneman store, the Albrecht building, if you're interested in that. Talks about Mary Friedley. Okay, so um, just going through these pictures and then we're done. E.J. Young, it's a portrait of him. Dr. Kranz, he was the other doctor that once lived in the old um, Johnson House or the museum. So he was one of the four doctors that uh, worked out of there. And then there's Henry Van Campen. He's the guy that came to town. He was down around the railroad tracks. And he looked down, he saw this oily substance on the surface. And he thought for sure that there was oil in Wadsworth. So he started collecting money from people to... Um, to speculate, drill, to try to find that oil. Well, I don't know. As a kid, I would come across oil patches, you know, along the road, you know, dripping oil or whatever that stands on top of the water. But anyway, so he convinced these people to invest all this money, and they kept drilling and drilling and drilling. <laughs> and they didn't find oil, but they found salt. So he didn't stick around. I think they kind of sold that that uh, the idea, I don't know whether he ever got any money back, well, people invested, but the ones who had invested from Wadsworth kind of stayed with it, and that's where the Wadsworth Salt Company grew up, down in the south end, right along State Street, where the warehouses are that that uh, Larson guy built. So that was him. Oh, down there at the bottom of that page, one of the first school buses. So that was the township school bus. And it would have been more than likely produced um, across the street from the museum at the Traver carriage shop. And there's a picture of the Wadsworth Salt Company. It went out of business in 1928. Um, E.J. Young ended up buying that, even though he had the salt company down in Ritman. And then within uh, a year, I think close to Halloween, it mysteriously burned down. This one, because it, if you look at it, it's an all wood structure. And it was, a, it was a fire that could be seen for miles around. 
Okay, down below that is the Methodist Church. That's the one that became the old annex building of the school downtown. So that's a picture of it when it didn't look all boarded up. <laughs> and then there was a constable there, Henry Bricker. He was quite the character. I think he was a pretty dishonest uh, constable. In fact, uh, they nailed him one time because the one thing he was in charge of, he was also the dog warden. And he got like 50 cents for every stray dog he could find. And once he found him, got his reward, he pitched him into a big furnace and burned him up. So I think he got in a little bit of trouble over that one. Uh, there's Dr. Johnson there nailing that spike, the last spike of the uh, inner urban line. Then it does show the streetcar down there and see the gazebo. That's not the same gazebo that's still there. And um, to the left of that uh, streetcar would be where Valley Cafe is today. So it's at that end of the, the park. Wadsworth Salt Company Well on the next page. Um, south end again. There's the E.J. Young Mansion where the Methodist Church is now. Uh, Dr. C.B. Etter. He's the one that kind of lived through the building of the Lutheran Church as you see it today. And uh, unfortunately for him, after it was built, I think maybe 10 years after it was built, this was completed in 1919. He was up giving the Sunday sermon, and towards the end of it, he fell over dead in his church. So what a way to go. Yeah. So this picture is Joe Bender, uh, the insert. Or, no, is that Joe Bender? Yep, insert. Joe Bender, and that's the inside of that opera house. So the opera house was used a lot, especially school graduations. It looks almost like O.J. Work Auditorium, but again, it was an all-wood structure. So it was probably a powder keg, you know, as far as it could have gone up in flames, but it had the balcony. And I think it even had a couple of, um, what do you call them up there for special people? Boxes. Yeah, yeah. I think they had two, two loge box type things. But I'm not aware of uh, Abraham Lincoln ever sitting in either of those. I was trying to remember who he had there that gave a speech. Um, I'll think of it and bring it up next time. Uh, Reverend Kaufman, he was, uh, he was one of those circuit writers, Lutheran pastor, he would have done out there at um, High Church and then the, the German Lutheran churches here in Wadsworth. And then for whatever reason, he put First Sergeant Frank Hilliard, of course, part of the Hilliard family, the funeral people, and because he was a veteran. The Ohio Injector was born in this building down there at the bottom. Now that building would have been on Mechanic Street across the railroad tracks and a famous war bond rally in 1918 for World War One. That's downtown Wadsworth. That is Guthrie's or the old Ladrick building right there at the back. And then going to the right is Main Street. So Domino's would be that next building past the alley. And it seemed like anytime Wadsworth had these bond rallies or things like that, they like brought in more money than any of the others around. So Wadsworth people, and even when we had that Vietnam wall uh, brought in, the, the portable one that's set up here, that 
I'm going to call it a company or that that um, place that does that, um, and it's connected to the veterans. So I mean, it's a nonprofit organization. But Wadsworth brought in one of the largest amount of donations that they had been all over the country. In fact, the girl that helped organize it here on this end, um, she worked for the school system at the time. They flew her out to Washington, D.C. to meet with the, the Wall That Heals, that's the name of the place, and wanted her to report what made it so successful. So I don't know what she ever, she, she wasn't even from Wadsworth. I mean, she worked for the schools. I don't even know what she told them. But it also was unique because I think we're one of the few that ever set it up on asphalt in the middle of a downtown area in block traffic because I think they wanted to put it down at Memorial Park. And I think there were people on their end that were pretty opposed to putting into a commercial area like that. They wanted the peace and solitude of being in a park. But then the reality is how many older people can get around easily in a park, you know, with wheelchairs and things. And here it was so easily accessible and being able to visit. Okay, so east side of uh, Main Street up there at the top. So the Legion building there on Main Street, those are the two tallest buildings there. So Ladrick building would be far farthest to the left. And there they are making those block for the Meyer building or the Time Warner building out in the street. And I'm not sure if that's a midget. I, I can't figure it. Look at the little guy there next to him. I mean, what is he? I mean, I never noticed it until one day I'm looking at him thinking, yeah, he looks like a miniature adult, so I don't know. He's what? <laughs> um, popping across there, um, back in horse and buggy days, you can see that the North Park was much wider because that's all they had was horse and buggy. And then they had the old oak tree and the watering trough for the horses. And in 1912, they obtained the Civil War statue that was through one of the, um, I think the Eaton Corps, it's a Civil War group. And so they had that dedicated in 1912. You can see the gazebo at the time was the, uh, and I don't know if it was there when they erected it, but there was a gazebo there. That one was the stone one. And it had the restrooms in the lower floor. You can see the door to the left. And that's what really got bad. I guess it, uh, <laughs> the plumbing wasn't the best. And so it got backed up and it stunk up the whole square and, Eventually, the stone gazebo went away, and there was no other gazebo there until this current one was there. And people swear that this gazebo has been here their entire lifetime, and they're 80 years old. <laughs> and it was built in 1976 for the uh, United States Bicentennial. And that's because people say, you know, don't touch that gazebo. You know, that's been there since I was a kid. Okay, well, what year were you born? <laughs> oh, well, 1950. No, no, there was nothing there at that time. So, of course, then the uh, Civil War guy got moved down to the Woodlawn Cemetery uh, because they, they shrunk the East Park over here. I mean, they n narrowed it down to put another lane in. And so it's gotten smaller and smaller, and all these things have been pitched out. And also the uh, porthole cover to the 
Battleship Maine used to be over here in this park, embedded in a granite rock. Now it's down at the cemetery. So everything seems to start out here and ends up in the cemetery, <laughs> including if you look kind of in the lower left-hand corner of that picture, there's a flower pot. Those all end up at the cemetery. Okay, here's a, this is the only picture we have of that um, horse barn of the match company. And it's an aerial shot and it's while it was being built. And, uh, but you can see the pond in the background. So a trivia question is, what's the largest pond in Wadsworth? Everybody always says Memorial Park. And I can get them because it's the match pond. It's much bigger than the one at Memorial Park. And you know how big it is. Which, by the way, and I heard a couple of people talking earlier about Memorial Park. You got to go there tomorrow or Saturday. All the magnolia trees are out. Aren't they magnolia? This is like a month early, but it's beautiful. And you know, they planted those magnolia trees when they built the park because it's called Memorial Park. And that was donated by E.J. Young because that was part of the match property. And he donated it and said he wanted it in memory of, you know, the veterans. So they planted one tree for every World War II vet from Wadsworth that got killed in action. So that's why, that's your memorial walk. And that's what it looks like. And they're out today and it's just like, it's It is. And I did get pictures of it. Unfortunately, I didn't download them yet to put them on my screen. But anyway, because I have a feeling, you know, Sunday it's supposed to rain, it'll probably get windy again, and all those blossoms will go. So try to get there tomorrow or Saturday and see the, the whole grandeur of the thing. All right, H.J. Hall's picture, Joe Bender is pictured, Ella Everhard Library is pictured. Then the next one, Pete Baxo. I'll have to tell that story next time. He's the one that... Uh, he had the Baxo store down at the south end, so there's a building down there. Uh, the Hinsdale family, I mentioned that earlier in history, That's a, they lived out on Reimer Road. He became, he and his brother, both at the University of Michigan, a uh, prominent family here in Wadsworth. The Ohio match beginnings there at the bottom. And Grace Lutheran Church, and that's a poor picture. But when it was first built, it was absolutely, the architecture was magnificent. But because of weathering and I suppose the salt, but look, you can see the towers were open. They had bells in the tower. The intricate work, it looked like something out of Western Europe, out of France. So N.S. Everhard and E.J. Young put a lot of their time and money into that. And that's where I'm going to end because that'll be an easy place to pick back up. So we have two sessions left, and I'm going to get through as much as the book. My feeling is, you know, the second part, the updates in here, you guys all live through that. You don't need to. <laughs> Been there, done that. And when they put that addition well, on. I've already forgotten that, so maybe I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, again, you know, going through that because most of you live through it but they also have a better table of contents that you can find things a lot quicker. And we'll see what we get through, but hopefully off. And for those people listening at home, uh, we bid good night. And uh, again, this is f the fourth out of a series of six.
So thank you for tuning in tonight. We hope you enjoyed this presentation and would like to thank you for listening. You can contact us or find more information on this topic, as well as many other resources, at wadsworthlibrary.com.